This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 244 of Dublin Dames. My name is Tim, and joining me, um, even though he forgot we were supposed to record today, is Dublin Dane himself. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I was in Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not literally, but uh, in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is where we got the name. Exactly. I'm um, just, just finishing up some stuff before the... Um, the Ubisoft announcement, whatever they're going to be announcing, um, yeah. So, so, so that's why I forgot. <laughs> so I guess it is kind of fitting that that would be the reason why you forgot recording, since, like you said, it was the origin of our name this year. So I guess I'll let it pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So. Uh, good to be back with another episode, um, as normally scheduled release, <laughs> like the last few ones. But uh, a lot of cool stuff to talk about on this one. So. I think we should just dive right into it. And one thing we're definitely going to be talking about as we lead into our Fellowship of the Ring minute-by-minute commentary is, of course, we got to talk about the first few episodes of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. So, I don't know, Dave, what do you think? Should we just get right into the commentary, or should we talk about The Rings of Power first? Um, you know what, let's, let's talk about uh, The Rings of Power and then talk about Haas and the Dragon um, together. So let's do the commentary. I guess first. we'll do the two fantasy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we're gonna do a House of the Rings or <laughs> Ring of the Dragon. <laughs> yeah. How do we want to combine the two? <laughs> the Rings of Dragons, or yeah, like I said, <laughs> or House so, of the Rings. I like how House of the Rings sounds. To be the, <laughs> the House of the Rings of the Dragons of Power. So I think that's the, our official name of the second segment now, where we're going to be reviewing these episodes. Yeah, House of the Rings, or, or the Dragon of the Rings. Yeah, either yeah. one. I guess we'll decide whatever comes out of our mouths when we're talking about it. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, uh, let's start with Rings of Power first because that is the one that just premiered last week, and. I know I got to be careful because three episodes have premiered as we're recording today, but Dan, you've only seen the first two. So well, let's um, do the commentary first, then. No. So, yeah. you're, you're a director on this episode, Dan. Just keep changing direction though, where we want to go. So. Yeah. <laughs> as you could tell, we did not 
plan on how rigorous uh, <laughs> this episode, the portions of this episode was going to be. But that's just how we roll. Yeah, never planned. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's do the commentary. So grab your DVD, your VHS copy, your Betamax copy, your Laserdisc, your HD DVD copy, your Blockbuster membership card, your Netflix physical media, your DVHS copy, and your UMD copy, and of course, your the way you get to see everything that we're going to talk about today, how it should be viewed, your VHS transfer to DVD copy that you made on your PC. So we're going to be going from minute 32 to minute 33. Are you ready, Dane? Yes, I am. All right. Three, two, one, play. As we start with a very worried look on Frodo's face as he's holding, as we discussed last time, the very secure <laughs> sealed envelope for the <laughs> one ring to, to be held in. Oh, irresponsible. Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> just put it in an envelope, just put it in a chest. Well, forget about it. I guess to be fair to Gandalf, he wasn't sure 100% that that was the run, one ring just yet. That's what he's going to go investigate, but still. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, you know, if you have the hint, you know, you might want to. Maybe we get a great shot of Fortress of Baradur near Mordor. And our first appearance of the ring raised. The uh, one of the coolest, one of the coolest looking things in yes. uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The question. I mean, it's yeah. so simple, but yet so effective. It's just so cool, too, <laughs> how they look. This is all new, right? This is new footage. I mean, um, um, added no, actually. footage, right? No, this is all oh. in the theatrical cut. Yeah. As we stop on our first shot of Gondor, which when I first saw this for the first time, was didn't even know that it was Gondor and didn't know how big of a role it was going to play in the Return of the King. So it's kind of one of those things where, like, after you see in Return of the King and then go back to Fellowship. Oh, so that's the same place. That's Gondor. Being the new Lord of the Rings fan yeah. that I was as these movies were coming out. Why did they build their city right next to an active volcano? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> Gondor is, like, right next to Mordor, it seems like. Yeah, hey, well, like, maybe. Why would you do that? Maybe Gondor was first. And then as we're lo- kind of learning in the Rings of Power, how Mordor kind of got formed, <laughs> we'll see what was actually first. But. I'm not 100% sure on that. It would make sense if Mordor popped up after Gondor was already built. You know, it's weird, like, with, with uh, the Rings of Power is, like, how they, um, it's, now, <laughs> you see, we're just going to get straight into the Rings of Power discussion, I guess, but, like, is the name of the, the cities in the show the same places as in the in the uh in the movies but they just have different names i don't believe no i'm pretty sure they're new locations and again a oh, lot of, i'll okay. say this right off the bat a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in the rings of power during the second age i am not too familiar with so i'm kind of going into it as a newbie too i know certain things and a little bit of the history but it, i'm kind of going in fresh too where i kind of had that same question thing going into it because some of it yeah. sounds familiar but a lot of the stuff is its own especially in this last episode where we finally get to new the city of numenor I know that is yeah. a big location in the in the history of the Lord of the Rings and even just the, the history of men, too. It's such kind of a big moment in the Second Age of what happens to Numenor. So I was familiar with that one. I know for sure that is a different location. But where um, Elrond is, that's, that's not uh, 
that's that's something yeah that that i kind of have that question too is that actually rivendell and it's just called something different right now because it's so long ago and they eventually name it rivendell so that i am not sure on to be honest so because it did look pretty similar to rivendell as we saw in fellowship of the ring and it wouldn't surprise if that was the case but at the same time too it's so long ago it could middle of this big so it could be a totally different location but i did have that same thought as you did yeah um my my new favorite name in um in lord of the rings is kelebrimbor yeah <laughs> i do like that name too <laughs> another one of the characters that i know of but don't know too much of his well because well he does play a big role. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be considered a spoiler, but he is the one who kind of forges the rings of power. So, oh, he does. He, he's going to be pretty important. Yes. Oh, that's uh, that's what Elrond and Celebrimbor sort are sort of talking about. Like we're making this this big weapon thing. Yeah. So that wasn't intentionally like the first thing he wanted. They wanted to build together, but I think uh, that's why I can't wait to see like how he gets either corrupted by Sauron or recruited by Sauron to forge the rings of power. That's stuff I can't wait for. Oh, I see. And just another question I have is like, are these new characters or are these characters that existed in, I don't know, like some manuscript? It's kind of a mix of both. A lot of it uh, are characters like Celebrimbor. He's obviously established. Yeah. And other characters we've seen there, but there are some new ones like, um, Around uh, here. I'm oh, sorry. Around here. Yeah, he's definitely one. Yeah. And then um, Hellbrand, because the one who travels with Galadriel, who saves her on the in the ocean. He's a brand new character. Uh, I see. But there have been some rumors yeah. and speculation of who he might become, which I think would be kind of cool if that does go that way. <laughs> but we'll see, because there's definitely more to him that gets revealed in the third episode. I won't spoil it since you haven't seen it yet. But there's uh, definitely going to be more revealed about his character in future episodes. Aragorn's dad, right? <laughs> Not quite. Grandpa. Grandpa. Because this isn't like Aragorn, like 85. Yeah, he was in, in his uh, 80s in the Fellowship, yeah. yeah. Wow. Or I keep saying the Fellowship, as even though it was kind of mentioned in the Two Towers movie, but I guess since Fellowship is my favorite of the three, I just that's the first name I go to when talking about it, but... <laughs> So, so, so are, are are people mad that there's new characters too? I think at first there was like some trepidation as far as how they're gonna be used in the story and how they'll be interacting with the established characters. So of course there's always some with this big of a fan base. There's always gonna be some concern from some of them. So yeah, I think there definitely was. Uh, great. So yeah, let's get into our impressions of it. Uh, at least the first two episodes. So. Um, for me, just going into it, super excited. I was liking what I've seen from the trailers. And it was cool to get those first two episodes. And right off the bat, I was really impressed with how that first episode started off in that first half. Kind of showing, starting off with Galadriel, her story, even showing her as a little girl. And going, is her brother. Then we kind of get, not quite the montage, like opening prologue that we got in Fellowship. But we did. It did remind me of that, though, seeing that big battle in the in the first stage where they fought Morgoth. It was some cool visual scene. Um, it looks like one of the foul beasts at the Nazgul ride. 
take down an eagle, <laughs> which was a really cool visual. I wish it was a little longer, but um, it definitely had the same vibe as that battle and the opening prologue of Fellowship of the Ring. And just some great visual, especially uh, when Galadriel was kind of putting an elven helmet on that big pile of elven fallen el- elven soldiers. Kind of them, and I love that line where she says, "We now before we didn't have a name for death, but now we have many names for it." Something to that effect. As elves were experiencing death for the first time um, in this big battle, so I loved all that stuff. Yeah, so, just, so that's the question that I have, Tim. So the elves are in Balinor, which is like Valhalla or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of it's where it's where everyone like at the end of Return of the King, where Frodo goes, goes to, Bilbo goes to. That's where they go. So. Right, so like, uh, I feel like this this part is gonna just be me asking you questions. Tim. Again, I might um, not have all the answers yeah, because it's the part sure. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> gotta do it to the lore. Um, so like, when do you stop aging as an elf? So like, we see like, yeah, we see Galadriel as a kid, right, and then she ages into Galadriel that you see in the show, and then she eventually ages into, um, uh, Kate Blanchett. Right. So, like, when do you stop aging as an elf? Yeah. Because, like, all of them still look young. You know, I think the oldest one we, we see is Elrond. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, when do you stop aging as an elf? Like, like, or like, when do you, at least physically, you know? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I guess oh, maybe when. Yeah, you when, don't know. I okay. don't know. <laughs> maybe when they hit like 40s, 50s, maybe the yeah. age that. Kate Blanchett and Hugo Weaving were in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I guess that'd be the best way to go about it. But yeah, right. So like, okay, so uh, Morgoth uh, is from Middle Earth, right? Um, you know, there's kind of like those other realms, kind of for like a better word, it's kind of like heaven or something like that. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if he's from there or not, because I know there's like different levels. Of like like the higher oh. beings in the realms. I know him and Sauron were kind of on those lower levels of that, but I'm not 100 sure where exactly he fits in there. Okay, but like if if uh, you see like not, now we're really splitting hairs, Tim. Like, but <laughs> if if the elves left Valinor because their um their tree died, the tree of life or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Actually, two. I believe there's two trees in there. Yeah. So, like, why did they go to uh, Middle Earth where uh, Morgoth is from? I think they, well, like, before I got out of it, I mean, they went yeah. to war with them to try to stop them, <laughs> to to defeat them, and then I guess establish yeah, but being well, and living there. Well, why why did they all make the the journey there? You know, like I don't think all uh, of them did, but. Because some were obviously were returning back there, as we saw at the end of the first episode. But again, I'm not yeah. sure how many actually left and how many stayed, <laughs> and what that exact number is going to be. Uh, I see. Okay, so like I, I just assumed because their their um, homeland was dead already because they didn't have the tree. Mm-hmm. But like, like why did it? I mean, why did they send everybody to go fight the orcs instead of you know sending a battalion of, of troops you know well it's probably they probably needed a big army to fight morgoth's yeah. big army uh, i see yeah, it well, probably sounded like real lord of the rings noobs here like i said <laughs> there's probably <laughs> answers for that we just don't know that's 
hopefully the stuff we'll learn as we're watching the series also. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, well, so all that stuff with Galadriel. Yeah, you could have just said, you know, because they they needed they needed all the main characters in the North. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so all that stuff with Galadriel in the beginning and showing her kind of just her mission to really stop they defeated Morgoth, but to defeat Sauron, who killed her brother, and to make sure he doesn't. They know he's hiding out there. Make sure he doesn't come into power. And just, I just love her determination to find him, no matter the cost. And just kind of slowly, kind of losing the support from her fellow elves. But I love that yeah. entire sequence in the snow and that fortress um, mm. that they went to. It's cool visually. Cool to see Galadriel in action to taking down that troll. And just again, even this determination, even though all those. Her fellow elves there kind of said this was it. This is where they're stopping and how she just wants to continue. So I loved all that stuff. Everything with Galadriel and Elrond, anything with the elves, I just was eating all that stuff. Galadriel and Elrond have some great scenes together, especially when we're in that area where they carved the, those in the trees, like the fallen elves from the last war in there. The visuals look great into some great conversations with the two of them. So all that stuff I really loved. So yeah, I also like how. I mean, I'm not sure if this is how it is, but to me, it sounds like um, Sauron is sort of like a lieutenant to Morgoth. Yeah, he was like a second in command, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, like how he's not the top evil guy, but then he grows into being that top evil guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's I was curious to the series because we know Sauron really comes into power in the second age. If we're kind of I was wondering if we're going to see like the rise of Sauron into power into that we kind of are but it's like he's already established i mean we've got shots of him which looked awesome in sauron armor that looks pretty close to how we saw him in the fellowship of the ring so he already is established as a big threat he's just kind of in hiding right now and just um i'm looking forward to see how they use him because there are sauron is known to be someone who's could change appearance and work his way into like different parts of middle earth to kind of recruit and seduce those into his cause and just seeing him how he forges into the all the not only just the one ring but the other ring secrets for men the elves and the dwarves i just really can't wait for the series to dive into that aspect of the lord of the rings history that's going to be awesome what i'm really excited for yeah and then you're gonna have to explain it to me because <laughs> I, if i can recommend understand. if i can recommend a good youtube channel to watch dane with those great explanations to all this as they do episode recast and it's the history is a channel called nerd of the rings it's okay it's a great look and like deep dive into like the history and for any questions you have on specific characters. I think for the most part, he has a lot already regarding characters during this era in the second age to kind of get a refresher on. I, I know that's what I've been doing as each episode comes out, which is really helpful. He's not like a, uh, how come there's a black elf? No, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I right. would have recommended if it was someone yeah. like that and I okay. wouldn't be watching. Okay, okay. <laughs> you got to make sure, Tim. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> that's kind of rare to find a good one. That's, you know, not like what I like about that channel. He's excited for the series. He has some, good. you know, some legit, like, criticisms and stuff about it. Because he's, like, a diehard fan. He, uh, you can tell he knows his stuff. But at the same time, is it nitpicking about, oh, they're changing this and all that? It's just a good balance. So but at the same time, okay, it gives so you all the information you need. So, so what is his criticism? I, I, I just want something to, you know, go in on. 
where it's not like, okay, this guy's just a hater. No, yeah, just kind of like certain dialogue that kind of maybe doesn't fit with yeah. certain characters and certain changes here. But again, it's not like the type of fanboy cries and nitpicking that, <laughs> that annoys you. Oh, so. okay. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll check it out because for for, for the most part, I'm lost. It's, it's, it's sort of like House of the Dragon, you know, where I, I read A Game of Thrones and I kind of knew what the story was. But like House of the Dragon, I have no idea. Um, same thing with the Rings of Power. It's sort of like, yeah, I've seen the, the Lord of the Rings movies, but like I've and the Hobbit movies, but I have zero idea about who most of these characters are. Um, you know, yeah, just sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I'm kind of going in the same way. It's like because I think Lord of the Rings history is a lot bigger than a lot of other franchises, like, including I think, the Game of Thrones lore, which. I'm kind of I'm more familiar with that era and where House of the Dragons taking place and a lot of the history there than I am with what's taking place in the Rings of Power just because it's so huge and like <laughs> a lot of stuff I think Tolkien tried to establish in that history there. So I understand where you're coming from over there. But yeah, so I loved all that stuff with the elves. Glad you're on Elrond. But here's here's the thing. I'll just say it right now. I really enjoyed the first few episodes we've gotten, but. I'm just not loving the series as much as I want to at this Uh-oh. moment. And Uh-oh. the big reason for that is just, I think right off the gate, especially in those first two episodes, there's too much stuff going on where there, there's too many plot lines in these first episodes. I believe there's like four of them. You got Galadriel's, you got Elrond, you got, um, I'm blanking on the new elf's name, <laughs> but, um, around here, yes, his story um kind of discovering no one's showing that orcs <laughs> like discovering orcs are still around and then here's my biggest issue with it the the harfoot storylines the early versions of the hobbits and that to me is really takes away from the pace and just the uh slowing down of the storytelling i'm most invested in with which like i said is with the collagial elrond and the elves and it's how there's i'm just not really into at the moment and i felt too much time is being spent there but at the same time, I think it could develop into a pretty cool storyline as far as who that stranger is, the guy who falls in from the meteor and how his story can play out. Because I think it could be pretty cool if it's if he is who I think he is. So we'll see how long that takes to get revealed. But right now, I just feel that storyline is just a little bit of a detriment to the seri- each episode as a whole where it just things aren't moving, I think, at a pace that i feel would benefit the show more where it's just like i kind of find myself going oh we're back to you know the heart the hardfoot storyline where i really want to stay <laughs> in with galadriel stories or elrond so that's my biggest criticism of the series so far it's just it's been a slow burn in these first three episodes but i think that slow burn is going to be worth it in the end once we get to some of the stuff that it's leading up to <laughs> to to say without spoiling too much for the third episode but yeah so that's kind of my biggest um nitpick about it or issue i have where i'm just not really loving it as much as i want to where it's just kind of going in too many different directions for me at the moment well that surprises me tim because um the harfoot storyline is one of my favorites really interesting (laughs) yeah like i i I really don't i mean it's sort of the opposite of um 
what you're what you were saying. Whereas I kind of don't like the Galadriel storyline. Oh wow, uh, <laughs> we're definitely on the opposite ends of this. Yeah, story. it's just like she's. I I, I kind of don't like storylines where we're chasing a phantom, and mm. we're just going from place to place. So he's not there. He's not there. He's not there. He's not there. Right. And then she gets sort of sidetracked with um with the uh, uh going to Valinor thing and then um gets sidetracked with the guy uh or those people on the barge made for a really, really cool scene and she was swimming away while that uh sea worm, I think they call it, is yeah. attacking the barge. Uh made for a really cool looking scene. Um uh, single take scene. But yeah, I I I mean, I know it's, that guy's going to play into the story and Galadriel's going to play into the story big, but I think for me, what I look for in Lord of the Rings, maybe it's familiarity with um, uh, the Lord of the Rings is, um, you know, just these people that just exist in the world, you know, that don't really have anything to do with anything. And just like the Lord of the Rings have uh, the Hobbits, this show has the Harfoots, right? <laughs> um, and to me, that's the best storyline going right now because, like, we know Galadriel has her quest, you know, trying to stop Star- Sauron. Um, Elrond has his quest trying to help uh, Celebrimbor make the rings or whatever uh, they're going to do. Uh, but this storyline, it's it's sort of the unexpected one where it's like you don't you don't know where it's gonna go. It's gonna go. I mean, we know who the guy in the media is. <laughs> is he though? So let's just get <laughs> right on the right. I mean, it's leading towards it could be Gandalf. Right. But yeah, I mean, of course it's him. It's him. But I see. I think um, it could. It, I think it could be one of the other wizards. I think it's definitely a wizard or the Istaria as they call it. But I'm not 100 percent sure yet. Is Gandalf. Yeah, but you don't introduce a guy with a long beard, long white beard, with uh, white hair, and wearing rags, and not yeah. have him. And well, Gandalf, the other reason too, I think it's going to be Gandalf, or this is going to establish his kind of fondness of hobbits later down the line, as we see in the Lord of the Rings time time period in the Third yeah. Age, and it kind of began here. So I think that would kind of be a cool way to establish that, where his the first species he interacted with was the hobbits. Ah, uh, I see. So, like, yeah, th- th- this is the unexpected one where it's, like, you kind of don't know where it's going to go. And I, th- I do agree with you that they're sort of bleeding out the story for all of the episodes. Or it's going to make sense towards the latter part of the season. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, th- this one is sort of the unexpected one. And I I really like all the characters, all, all the horror foots, the horror feet, <laughs> what the plural mm. is for it. But, um yeah, I like all the characters. I like how they're not just hobbits. They're, they're you know, the precursor to the hobbits, it seems like. Um, they're migratory. They're, they don't stay in one place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to hide out from the other people, <laughs> I mean, the other uh, beings. As yeah. you'll see in the third episode, that um, they're kind of a little brutal to how they, when they go on their migrations and travels yeah. in their caravans, like how they treat those who can't keep up. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay. man, that's kind of that's kind of hardcore for a lot. <laughs> this early version of the Hobbits. You don't want to be found, Tim. They just want to be on their own. Um, 
you know, but my favorite character in in Rings of Power is Nori. You know, <laughs> because yeah, she again, is a good character though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, she she's written really well, and then she's like she she's the the wild card because you know what's going to happen, Gladriel, and you know. Mm-hmm. Elrond, he, you know what's going to happen with Kazak too. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you don't know what's going to happen with her. So, so that's what keeps me returning. And plus, the actress is really, really good. So, yeah, uh, sort of like the opposite of what you're saying, Tim, about like <laughs> how, how you want to see the story form and you know the big overarching story and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the Galadriel stuff isn't bad. Um, it's like I said, like that, that scene where the, the sea world attacks is pretty cool, and um, you know she she's written really well, so yeah. Yeah, another thing too I want to bring out is just how great the show looks as well. Just the locations, like I mentioned, Numenor looked fantastic, and probably my favorite location that we've got in the series so far is Kazadoom. That looked amazing and just knowing what becomes of it when we get to the fellowship (laughs) of the ring it's just really cool to see it in all its glory just what a truly beautiful location and like city and community that the dwarves built in there and you can see why Gimli was so excited to show it off to everyone in the fellowship (laughs) but when uh, that's his remembrance of how it looked so I love that we got to see Casa Doom in all its glory in that second episode it was fantastic and again, Tim, again, why are we overselling Kazak Doom? You know, Elrond is is pitching uh, Celebrimbor the moon, right? There's going to be a lot of food, mm-hmm. a lot of drink, a lot of partying. And then they can't even get in the front door. And then <laughs> Elrond has to do <laughs> Elrond has to like, do that... Um, a promise thing where they do, they do the rock rock breaking thing. Uh, I, Again, like why, I like why? I like how that's like kind of the way the dwarves yeah. have to make you prove your worth. <laughs> why are we overselling that place? <laughs> Gimli did it in the Lord of the Rings movies. El- Elrond is doing it. You know, we should stop overselling Kazakh too. You know, as a tourist destination, <laughs> it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's it's not going to be the way that you think it's going to be. Uh, but I, I do agree with you. Um, Amazon put a lot of money into this. And the, the, that was one of my main concerns. It's like, uh, is it going to be like a lesser thing? Like, are we going to see the the um, the holes in the CGI and all that stuff? Mm. But yeah, it looks really good. Um, like you said, Kazakh Doom looks amazing. That That's probably... Probably one of my favorite locations in uh, in the show so far, and uh, the the one thing that stuck stuck out to me was uh, the, the the makeup on the doors. Mm. It's really good. Uh, they're really changing their faces, and uh, yeah, like to me, that's that's one of the things that uh, stood out. Yeah, I just look like. Again, how it looks real close to how they looked in the movies, the dwarves. Like, yeah. Though I will say, <laughs> I was talking to someone at work about this. The one thing we're a little disappointed was that remember how Gimli des- uh, describes the uh, 
dwarf women as having beards, whereas sometimes you can't tell yeah. <laughs> a male dwarf from a female dwarf. But none of the female dwarfs had beards at this time. <laughs> in that, in Maybe it's like something they evolve into later when they get to the third age where they have beards. But <laughs> I thought that would have been cool to see. So, so it, is this the Dorian that, that Gimli is talking about? Yeah, because yeah, because Durin's you know that's the name that gets passed yeah. down to each dwarven ruler, I guess, in there. Uh, maybe you hear the name Durin mentioned a lot in the Hobbits, like Durin's bane or Durin's like when Durin's moon, I believe, it was called, or the, where the moon had to shine on the light or the door entryway into. Um, uh, man, I'm blanking on the name of the location. Now. I'm doing horrible today with my Lord of the Rings <laughs> <laughs> lore and information, but where smog was uh, hidden into. Uh, with all the treasure, the location to sneak in there. There was like Duran's moon. It was, I don't know if it was called Duran's moon. It was called Duran something though. Or again, I'm sounding like such a new, but <laughs> we've had heard that name tons of times. Um, in uh, the third Asian in the Lord of the Rings timeline. Uh, so like Duran, the prince, the, the prince Duran, because his dad is King Duran, right? Yeah. Yeah, that so was like, actually I, one of the criticisms I heard from the Nerd of the Rings, where it's like there wasn't really like you can't be named Durin, like two Durins existing at the same time, or like something special where like the dwarf king would they would like only name their sons Durin if they actually looked like resemblance of I guess the original Durin, and they never had it where there was two around at the same time. So that was kind of like a different thing that they did, not a huge deal, but one little yeah. I guess dwarven lore that they changed a bit. Oh, uh, that's it. The show's ruined for me too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, so, so, not watching anymore. <laughs> it, so, so they're playing a bigger part in the story. In this story, then. Yeah. Then you know, oh, we're gonna help you forge the rings or build your um, big tower. Yeah, because uh, there was like that end shot for the second episode where um, they like opened that chest and like there was this big shining light coming out of it. I believe yeah. that's going to be like the first discovery of Mithril, which of course they find in Khazad-dûm in the Mines of Moria later on. Yeah. But obviously, we get to establish that that's where it came from, and it looks like they're finding it for the first time here in that episode. Oh, I see. And then they dig too deep. Durin's Day—that was the title. That was the name I was referring to. <laughs> that's Durin's where what? Day? Dur- Durin's Day. That's where the first day of the day. last moon of autumn. On the threshold of winter, that that shining light from the moon is what reveals the key location to enter into the into that location. So yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was bugging me as I was talking about. It. I know it's that's to do with the moon, but I know it's not called Duran's moon. So <laughs> Duran's day is the official name for that event. Uh, you couldn't let it go, too. <laughs> no, I didn't. I know. So it sounded too much like a, like I said, a Lord of the Rings noob and idiot. Whereas, like, <laughs> I just watched The Hobbit not too long ago too, and I, I should know what it was called. So yeah, that's why it was bugging me. <laughs> I had to get it up. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, that's overall impressions for the, the Rings of Power. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm looking forward to each episode every week. The third episode was probably the best one yet, in my opinion, because. In one of the storylines, they took a, a step away to where <laughs> certain areas have a little bit more room to breathe, where it go, wasn't going in too many directions as the first two episodes were, and um, establishing some stuff that we're eventually going to see 
uh, play out in future episodes that I'm looking forward to seeing. So, yeah, really enjoying it. It has the potential to be really great. So hopefully by the end of the first season, I'll end up loving it as I'm hoping to. But I'm just not quite at that level yet, but looking forward to seeing each and every episode. Well, it's definitely a slow burn is is what I my impression of it is. You know, it's it's not uh, such a fast paced show because mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to build out so much. Um, but yeah, I I love it. I have no complaints. Um, but again, I'm not a a uh, Lord of the Rings diehard fan like you are. Um, but yeah, I j- just just as a casual f- watcher, I I really like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, I can't remember how many episodes there are in the season, but I think it should be like the standard, like nine or 10. So uh, eight. It like, it's eight. eight. Okay. So a little yeah. less than I think most Amazon shows. So man, so we're going to be halfway through next week already. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully things start again, picking up <laughs> as far as where, uh, the direction they're going to, as far as what's being built up and established in these early episodes, but I'll be there watching no, without question. Where is this film? Do you know? No, I don't. Not offhand. I yeah. don't believe it's New Zealand, though. Or, or is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> See, now I'm doubting myself again. Thanks a lot, Dave. Let's see. Uh, Scotland? Maybe. <laughs> now I'm just going to have to look yeah. it up. Looks <laughs> like it was in... New Zealand. It was New Zealand, okay. Yeah. I thought I remember reading somewhere that it wasn't, but I don't know. Maybe I read wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to film a Lord of the Rings thing, you know, you got to film it in. Yeah, where else is <laughs> a better spot to go? It's obviously already proven it's the best location to have Middle yeah. Earth be set in. Can't film it in, you know, California. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you could if you want to at some very basic part of middle earth like some <laughs> desert area <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, have have the rest of your scenes take place on a green screen yeah they probably are gonna need to <laughs> all right so that's our first impression of rings of power i look forward to hear what you think about the third episode dane if you enjoyed it as much as i did because like i said i think that one's probably my favorite episode so far but now we can move into the House of the Dragon in the last two episodes, because we only talked about the first one on our previous yeah. episode. So I'll let you kick this one off, Dane. What did you think of the last two episodes? I am really liking this show and where they're taking it. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, you could telegraph it, you know, from a mile away, but you knew that... Uh, Rhaenyra's friend was going to be the new queen, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> from the yeah, the, I mean, from the moment the first episode where her father tells her <laughs> to go yeah. comfort the king, you knew that. Right? Yeah, and and uh, creepily wear, wear one of your your uh, mother's dresses. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a little weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I I really like where the show is going. Um. Hold on, I'm trying to look up the uh, the queen's name. Oh, why can't I? Uh, Alicent. Alicent, right. 
Yeah, I <laughs> I'm really liking uh, that story in particular about like the succession. Like, where mm-hmm. is he gonna go? Yeah. Is he gonna go to the son, uh, um, uh, Alicent's son, or is it gonna go to to uh, Damon, or is it gonna go to uh, Renera? So, so that's probably probably my favorite story. And um, the, the 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 one criticism I do have of the show is uh the um <laughs> uh this this uh uh crab feeder storyline mm, okay. <laughs> i i i just don't get why they introduced this uh, in the story is, is it gonna i mean of course it's gonna play into the political part of the story but like why would you wrap it up in three episodes right yeah. Why would you wrap, wrap it up so quick? Like, uh, if, if, I mean, because it sounded like a really big threat, at least in that first episode with, mm. the, with the sea snake, right? He, he was saying like, like, oh, you know, this is the, you know, this is gonna, uh, you know, mess up not only our trade, but like our rule and our power. So like, like why did they wrap it up so easily? But, um, but anyway, yeah, like I, I really like, um, uh, this show, Tim. <laughs> I I probably like it better than the uh, the Rings of Power. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I I'm loving House of the Dragon, and I will agree about the whole thing with the crab feeder. Like you said, I felt it was it ended kind of abruptly. We're like, oh, this is like that whole storyline's over in three episodes. Like I thought it was going to be a season long threat, but. At the same time, I guess it's gonna was kind of mainly meant to establish like having Damon kind of have victory over him and make his way back into uh, King's Landing and I guess try to establish establish himself back into I guess um, I don't want to like I'm not sure if it's gonna go to where he's gonna use that to make a case for him to be the rightful heir and to take the throne if that's gonna be something that he feels this is going to help him his cause in getting that, but definitely yeah, get back, definitely kind of get himself back in the mix as far, as far as being amongst all those in King's Landing and uh, with Viserys again in his rule. So maybe that was the catalyst of that to get him established back into that group. But that was such a great sequence, <laughs> that ending for in the last episode. Yeah. I do wish though, we actually saw him fight the crab feeder instead of just him going in and then seem coming out with just half of the body <laughs> of the crab feeder. It would have been a cool fight to see, but I just love that whole sequence of him getting the note that Viserys was going to send him help and he didn't want any of his help. And that's kind of what caused him just to go down there alone to offer himself up as a surrender. But it was just a trap to draw out all the crab feeders army and just, a great moment of dodging all those arrows, even though some hit him and just draw out their army while uh, the rest of, you know, his army and um, the Valerian army go in and attack and then just seeing another dragon <laughs> just easily take down all those archers and most of the crab feeders army. And it's just really cool to see the dragons used in actual like in war, because I know th- we've seen dragons in action in Game of Thrones, but to actually be used in war as part of like a war strategy as well we got that a little bit towards the end but just kind of knowing that that is a big part of once at least the royal family the targaryens are going into war they have the dragons at their disposal to use in these battles 
And it was just great to see it on display here. And even at the beginning of the third episode, it was just really cool where you see it. Damon's trying to call out the crap feeder. He takes out some of his men. <laughs> you get that poor soldier who was taken captive, part of the Targaryen army. And he gets all excited when he sees Damon's dragon. He thinks he's going to be saved. But unfortunately, he just gets crushed by the foot of the dragon. Who didn't even see him? So this is like a great opening and a great closing to that third episode focusing on Damon and his as he's fighting in that war with the crab feeders. So I loved all that stuff. But then, as you mentioned, too, just the stuff with Renera and her story and just everything that's she's going through. And you can like really understand her frustration as we see her in these two episodes where she's been named the heir, but yet she's kind of still being treated as just like a cup bearer in that second episode. And then uh, dealing with the a birth of her half-brother Aegon II and just what that means for the realm and those already trying to get Viserys to name him the actual heir of the Iron Throne since he is um, his firstborn male son and just everything that's being thrown into this what's going to be a crazy period <laughs> for the Targaryens and what's eventually is going to lead to the big civil war of the Dance of Dragons so I just love how it's all being set up, set up here and the kind of the characters and are being put in place on the chessboard so to speak uh, which is cool to see and I really do like and this is something we were wondering about in the first episode as we knew there's going to be a time gap later on and we're seeing it in each episode I mean from episode one to episode two is about a six month time gap and now in this one it was um, about three two years. or three years yeah. was it three okay yeah. yeah And so I really like how they're doing that and it's not kind of this non-linear storytelling where we get flashbacks when she's older and then we get flash forwards or stuff like that. I do like the pace that it's moving. We're getting time jumps in each episode and it's flowing very well too. It's not something where you feel like you're missing a big chunk of their story or um, some big events that happen in those three year gaps. It's just kind of feeling like a natural progression, just where things are. So, um, or how things are taking place in that time period. And if there was something big that happens, they'll they'll mention it. So, yeah, just, it's a great flow I think the series is having, kind of the opposite of what I was talking about with uh, the Rings of Power and just how it's focusing on the characters that it really, really needs to in, in telling this story. And just great character moments, too. In the second episode, I really love that scene on Dragonstone where Rhaenyra goes to confront Daemon on what he did as far as stealing one of the dragon aids dragon eggs from king's landing because it's a targaryen tradition to keep a dragon age or i keep saying dragon age <laughs> it's dragon egg uh, with a newborn targaryen baby and he wanted that for uh his son that he kind of lied about saying was being bored just kind of i guess just to make things more of a headache for viserys <laughs> and to be a more of a thorn in his side uh, but it was just such a great kind of showdown and confrontation between those two and yet how at that moment they're at odds, but you know, they still, um, there's a connection between those two and they still, you know, as, uh, his, as her uncle and his niece, you know, there's still that family love that they have, I think, and respect they have for each other, which we know is eventually going to blossom into them becoming husband and wife once we get more to the dance of the dragons time period. But I love that moment between them two and just visually. It was cool to see both of their dragons kind of come in and just, make their presence known i just love seeing the targaryens on the on their dragons kind of in their in their peak period so to speak where dragons were common here so just a lot of great stuff though i will say there was a brutal moment in the third episode that hunting scene where they captured that stag and viserys tried to kill it he couldn't uh, do it on the yeah. first try and you hear the squeak 
screams of the stag is like, uh, come on, Viserys, just put it out of its misery. It's just the idea of you know, hunting in general. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird? I don't care if a character gets cut in third <laughs> and right? dragged out of a cave. I do care seeing an animal die. Oh, I'm with you uh, a thousand percent. <laughs> yep. I just can't get through it. I can't. It's it's the most heartbreaking thing. <laughs> I don't care seeing Ned start getting beheaded, right? Sure, it was shocking, but yeah, I or, mean, yeah. I know there was. I felt more bad. It was hard, it was harder to see. We didn't even see it, but when he had to kill Lady in the second episode, that yeah. was brutal too. <laughs> that was the most brutal death in that first season. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would agree. Um, but yeah, uh, I have a question and then, or I have a statement and a question. So okay. let's, let's start off with the, um, the statement. My favorite name of all of Game of Thrones so far. You know, we, we got Renera, we got Viserys, we got Alicent, we got um, all these cool different names, right? Corliss, Otto Hightower, right? My favorite name of all time so far is Jason Lannister. You <laughs> 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 couldn't think of a better name for that. The most basic of basic names. Say, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, so we got a Tim Lannister, you know? <laughs> Might as well have a Dane Lannister. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, uh, Dane Targaryen has a nice ring to it. Dane Targaryen. Is it? There's no Dane in uh, in Game of Thrones, right? Uh, I think there is up there. Right? There is Sir Arthur. Yeah, Dane. Arthur Dane. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh my God. My my most favorite character of all well, of. Uh, he was known as the greatest swordsman in the realm. Like I, I even watched like a best like who's the best Game of Thrones fighter uh, video. And I believe he was number one on that list. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. Tim, make a fighting game. And he's going to be the best one. He's going to be the one you always go to. He's going to be the Ryu of... (laughs) (laughs) There are no Tims, I think, in Westeros. I haven't heard one. Timothy? Timothy? No? No, not that I can recall. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a Tim Stark down the line. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so that's my question, right? So, like, the third episode was the the first episode that we don't get um, a scene where Viserys um, has pro- health problems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the sores and like the cuts and stuff, yeah. right? Is is that what leads to his death? I know you said you're more familiar with uh, with the Song of Ice and Fire. Not is, is that how he dies? I don't believe so. I think he dies does die kind of an old age, but. Uh, um, I don't believe it is because of like any of those injuries or those um, not injuries, but you know those infections or whatnot that he has. Yeah. Actually, if you notice um, in the scene where he's talking to Allison, um, kind of towards the end, uh, you yeah. see like two of his fingers are cut off that were that we saw infected in the second uh, episode. Really? Yeah. Uh, I see. So, uh, so those uh, maggots didn't help. And, <laughs> Apparently and not. He had, to, he had to cut off his uh, fingers. Yeah. So um, I guess it I'm kind of. Just, I don't yeah. know if they're saying that that's kind of taken care of for right now. So now that they're cut off, but uh, we'll see if anything else crops up that he has to deal with. But I guess as of right now, he's okay from that particular infection that he was dealing with. 
I'm just wondering, like, what is the the meaning of that? What's the symbolism? Is that going to play into the story? Is that mm. just to show that he's sickly? Yeah. You know? Or yeah, or maybe. Yeah. But I do like what we're seeing of Viserys too, because you you know he's a he's a good king, or he wants to do what's best. He's not like an evil king or anything like that. But it's just yeah. kind of such. A strange time where the whole thing with a succession in the air is just like where maybe he's not making the right decision. He means well, but some of his decisions may not be for the best, especially when you got all those different um, advisors offering their opinions and whatnot and what he should do. And you, you kind of got a sense of just how annoyed he was with it on that hunt and celebrating Aegon's name day there. Just how he doesn't want to deal with that right now, but every Whenever there's an opportunity for someone to throw the two cents, they will do it towards him. <laughs> yeah, he seems like seems like a good king that just makes the wrong decisions, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that line where he's like, he's I think he's talking to Allison, and he's like, you know, I I can't please one person without angering another. Yeah, right? exactly. He's, it's just that over and over and over again, um, and he can't find you know, a, a peaceful resolution to it. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting character trait, too, where it's like, you know, like I, like I was saying, it's just he can't make the right decisions. He's a good guy, but he just can't do it. Um, and it it leads him to appear weak. You know how, like, Otto was saying, like, oh, if the king does help uh, with, with Damon's, um, Damon's war? Yeah. Uh, it, it would make him seem weak because why didn't he go there in the first place and, and take care of the problem? But then yeah. he ends up doing that at the end of the third episode. And, it's, and so, like, even that's going to be, that's going to play into, like, his his bad decision making, you know? Yeah, because see in the next preview, like, we're talking about with David coming back to King's Landing and kind of um, probably winning that war now and him kind of doing it almost single-handedly at least defeating the crap beater that's gonna probably give him more cause to try to make his case to be the next ruler of of westeros on there so yeah it it was him sending that letter and offering that help is what spurned damon to do what he did in that episode which probably gave him a lot of glory amongst the soldiers there so yeah i think it is going to kind of come back to bite him a bit (laughs) in this next episode yeah, and man, I, I feel sorry for for Renera. She's sort of tied to what the yeah. series does, right? Uh, she can't really speak out for herself. So yeah, yeah, and real quick, Dave, I don't I don't know if I asked you. So are you kind of familiar what goes down in the actual Dance of Dragons Civil War that this is all leading to, or are you kind of no, okay. no, I don't. So I got to yeah. be careful what I say when because I if they follow closely to what happens in the books, then I know where everything's going to end for these characters. <laughs> so I got to be careful not to reveal that type of stuff to you as we're talking about it. Have they sort of hit the, the, um, the sort of story, story points um, leading up to the civil, yeah, the civil war so far. Okay. Yeah. That's why I'm just curious. Like, cause we, again, we know we're going to get a time jump. Are we actually yeah. going to get the start of that war in this season or is it maybe something that's going to kick off in season two, or maybe it really kicks off in the final episode of season one. And then we really dive into it in season two. I'm just curious, like how long is it going to be till we actually get to that point where the Targaryens are at war with each other? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Just, just tell me. 
like, like what happens in this dance of the dragons so it's basically rhaenyra and as you just saw aegon the second as a little baby here their yeah. fact they, they go to war with each other i think one is known as like the green which was an era and uh, Aegon's going to be the black um as far as the different targaryen factions and uh, yeah just a lot of betrayal a lot of yeah. it's just again i don't want to go into too spoiler details as far as what happens to the characters but it's comes what starts it is once viserys dies um yeah alicent names um Aegon the next king because they're still a king's landing because Rhaenyra is at dragonstone during that time and she does. Oh. I don't believe she finds out about Viserys' death until a little later. Once Aegon is established as the king, she's all like, like, "No, I was named the heir, and the throne is rightfully mine." And that's where the battle really starts, and the civil war begins. Ah, oh, so it's not with Damon then. No, yeah, that's the thing too. That's that's. The, I didn't <laughs> want to be a spoiler, but um, Damon is not necessarily involved or he is definitely involved but he's not the one that kind of starts it as far as no i should be the king he's actually spoiler here uh, do you want me to say dane or <laughs> sure okay he actually he pretty much as, as i mentioned earlier him and renera get married so he fights on the side oh of yeah so he's involved in a lot of the battles but he's fighting for renera not for himself to be king in the dance of dragons oh i see yeah well i mean you, you told me that uh renera and david get married so kind of saw that one coming, but yeah. So for those uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So for those going into it, not knowing what happens, I thought kind of might be a surprise where the show is obviously setting up for Damon kind of being the main like threat to yeah. take over yeah. the throne for, from an era and amongst everyone else, but it's only going to end up leading them to getting, being closer and then eventually getting married. I see. So, so Kristen, uh, I forget his last name. <laughs> uh, Kristen is tossed to the wayside. <laughs> so, yeah. Digging the... What we've gotten so far in these three first three episodes of House of the Dragon and cannot wait to see more of it starting tomorrow <laughs> as we're recording this episode. So, um, looking forward to have two more to talk, in, talk about on our next episode in two weeks. So, yeah, with that... Uh, there's one big thing that we have to talk about before we end this episode, Dane, and you probably know what it's going to be. <laughs> because uh, what is it going to be, Tim? How can we have an episode and not celebrate the 30th anniversary of Batman: The Animated Series, <laughs> which we just got a few days ago? And I don't know what's more hard to believe, Dane, that Batman: The Animated Series is 30 years old, or it's been 10 years since we've had our episode covering the 20-year anniversary of <laughs> Batman the Animated Series. It's been 10 years since we did that, <laughs> which is oh, hard for me yeah. to even believe. Um, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't look back and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on our 20-year anniversary of Batman the Animated Series because, man, we've been doing this a long time. Yeah. We've been doing this a really long time. But it's too late for that, Dan, because I knew I wanted to talk about the 30th anniversary. So I went back and listened to a bit of that episode that we did 10 years ago, <laughs> kind of yeah. what we talked about there. And it's, you know, basic stuff, our favorite episode, when we first saw the series, 
um, the villains, the music, the iconic voices. I mean, we covered all that stuff. So I just don't want to repeat and talk about all that stuff again. But one thing I wanted to see, if you remember, if kind of what we felt then still holds up now, 10 years later, as far as our favorite episodes go. Do you remember what you said was your favorite episode on that one? And if it is still oh. your favorite episode now? Uh, probably not. <laughs> um, my my favorite episode currently right now is um, if you're so if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Mm. Yeah, I remember you so, talking about that. <laughs> on definitely not. Definitely not. So okay. so what was it? Then? Yours was dream? yes, that that's it. See, you remember perchance the oh. dream? <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured it was. Um, yeah, definitely not my favorite. Uh, but how can you really pick one, right? It is hard, I, I know, but and stick guess, with it, you know. Yeah, but I guess if you watched it as much as I have over the last thirty years, you could kind of yeah. pick and know where certain episodes rank. Because for me, mine is still the same as it was on that episode we recorded ten years ago. I that's why I wanted to listen back to see if yeah. it was what it is now because it's still the same. Robin's Reckoning Part One and Appointment in Crime Alley; those are my top two, and. I still maintain to this day that Appointment in Crime Alley is such an underrated episode of Batman the Animated Series. I just watched it again on the official 30th anniversary date this past Monday, and God, it's such a good episode. Just, just love how it goes into you really, the first time in the animated series, that this really went into Bruce and how he celebrates, or not celebrates, but how he acknowledges the death of his parents every year and what he does to honor them, bringing the roses to crime alley and just everything with Leslie Tompkins in that episode is so beautifully done. It's just amazing on every level, storytelling, animation, the music in that episode just might be my favorite. It's just so underrated. I don't think it gets the recognition that it deserves. So 10 years later, I said, uh, or 10 years ago, I said that and I'm still saying that 10 years later, I'm banging on that drum, that appointment at crime alley needs to get more respect than it currently does. But yeah, so it has a change for me. Robin's Reckoning is still my all-time favorite, and Appointment of Crime Alley is not too far behind. You know what has sort of made me, uh, or what I've realized after, you know, all these years uh, intermittently watching Batman the Animated Series is how they ended some of their episodes, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? It's a guy that is, you know, can't sleep, is constantly looking over his shoulder, is constantly scared, sleeps with a shotgun next to his bed. Um, and then it's sort of like, okay, well, we'll see you, we'll see you guys next week. You know, we'll see you kids next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like Heart of Ice, it's a guy depressed in prison, uh, grieving over his wife, you know, yeah. Then, okay. We'll see you guys next week. We'll yeah. See you just, guys next week. You yeah. Know, that, it's it's weird how they ended their episodes. It's so depressing. And to think that this was a children's cartoon is still it's mind boggling. Yeah, and that fits it perfectly with why I love Appointment of Crime Alley so much. That ending is probably my favorite ending out of all the episodes. Where, I mean, you're seeing Batman look at the spot where his parents were murdered and just sit there in silence as Leslie Tompkins goes to hug him to comfort him during what's obviously an emotional moment for Batman. And just how 
the music plays there. And then not only do you see Leslie and Batman in that moment in the present, this how the episode beautifully transitions into that photograph of Leslie first comforting Bruce when he was a kid, the night his parents died. I mean, like, as you said, it's something that's just so beautifully done and for a mature audience where, but when it's designed for a kid's show, it's just something we've never <laughs> seen before um, in animation, children's animation for that time. And it's just yeah. never going to, it's timeless. That's, that's what my big takeaway on this is. And I'm sure we're going to say it for every big anniversary it has 30 years ago, this series came out and just watching a few episodes again, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's 30 years. It's timeless. It's such a brilliant idea to kind of not put it in any specific time period. That's what's so genius about it. It could be, it has that moment where it feels like it's in the thirties and forties, but yet there's some modern technology in there, like TVs and phones, like computers. It's just such a great blend that gives it a timeless feel, which is going to make it feel fresh and new. Um, no matter how old the series gets, and 30 years old now, we I think I could definitively say that that's going to be the case, um, forever, long after <laughs> we're all gone in the series, it's going to be as the series continues to be remembered for the classic that that it is. And one thing I'll say here too, which I think on that 20 year anniversary episode we did, how I say it's I always say this my favorite interpretation of Batman, the greatest animated series of all time, but now. I could easily and definitely say it's just my favorite TV show of all time. It's nothing comes wow. close. Well, I shouldn't say it comes close, but nothing quite reaches that level of how special this series means to me as just a fan of the character, just great storytelling and just making me really appreciate the medium of animation like no other show did before. And just how the stories, again, just continue to be some of the best storytelling you can experience in any TV show. And just the production on it, like the music, the vocal performance, everything about it is just top tier. And no show imp- impacted me quite as much as Batman the Animated Series does. And it just, every time I watch it, just brings back good memories of me being a nine-year-old kid watching it for the first time. And just being truly immersed and just blown away every day once we got a new episode. It just, it just makes me reflect on a fun time during my life during that era and just how it continues just to be something that I'll never ever get tired of seeing. And just after seeing it countless times, I I've done plenty of rewatches. I've watched certain episodes uh, so many times where I lost count of how many times I've actually watched them and I just never get tired of it. Like I said, it's the perfect definition of timeless and can't think of anything better way to describe it on its 30 year anniversary, 30 year anniversary and describing it as a timeless classic. Um, not just in the animation animation medium, but just for the TV medium in general. Yeah, I'm just wondering, sitting here wondering, like, is there any other, you know, thing, TV show or movie or whatever, where they take like an existing existing IP that everybody knows, right, and then make it wholly original and sort of change the way that the medium is used yeah it's hard for me to pick anything other yeah, <laughs> like, i can't really series, think of anything yeah yeah like I said, so many things that anymore. never were done before like I, I go back to even some that maybe not doesn't necessarily get the credit as it should just the music how yeah. using a full orchestra for each and every episode it's just crazy and insane to think that 
that's how they were doing it for a children's program. And it's funny because I was listening to the soundtracks while at work on the 30th anniversary. And my coworker who works a few, who's in this, we're in the, like the same office area. And he just goes, wow, this is like he, Batman the Animated Series kind of before his time. Um, and he just goes, wow, this is kind of crazy to think about how this type of music, this grand orchestral score was used for a children's show. <laughs> and it's like, it's pretty impressive. I go, yep. Uh, like, you don't have to tell me that, but <laughs> that's what um, was something that set it apart from the rest of the shows going on at that time. So just some, as I don't want to say a simple to, to like to make it sound like it's not something yeah, I'm kind of mumbling over my words here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't want to make it sound like the music is not important, but I just don't think it gets talked about enough just how great that score was when you talk about Batman, the anime series, and all the great things that it delivered and did so beautifully. And I think the music is a big part of that and just um, goes to show just how so much love and care went into the show from the very beginning and how it continued throughout the course of the series' entire run. Yeah, and I mean, also like I was saying, like you're you're taking something that existed before, right? Like so, uh, the Looney Tunes cartoons did the same exact thing. They used like a full orchestra to do their uh, music, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're making it wholly your own, you know, this TV show uh, about Batman, you know, something that we've we've we all know. Um, so it's like sort of like the same exact thing, but you know, it's it's wholly original, and I don't think it can ever be replicated. You know, it's not something that that you can sort of do again. Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. Even with Batman: The Cape Crusader being the next Batman animated series, that hopefully we'll still get. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bruce Timm's obviously involved, and you know, there's going to be some similarities, but at the same time, too, I know that it's not going to capture that same magic that Batman the Animated Series had. It's just impossible, really. It's perfection, in my opinion. And there yeah. could be things I'm expecting the Cape Crusader to be great, but um, I can't go into it expecting, oh, this is going to be just as perfect and great as Batman the Animated Series. It's just impossible. This wow, everything lined up so beautifully. Um, with that series it's everything came together to create something truly truly special that has proven to stand the test of time as just to be amongst the best of the best not just when it comes to batman but like as we said just a tv show in general in my opinion yeah tim so so why are you giving rings of power such a hard time if, if you think that <laughs> um uh, the cape crusader isn't going to be as good as batman the animated series <laughs> Uh, you know you know what i mean you know so like you have lord of the rings which is you know of course it's not gonna be as good as lord of the rings but then you're bashing rings of power what's up with that oh so so now i'm bashing it yeah (laughs) really enjoying it (laughs) me saying i really enjoyed it equals bashing it just because i don't love it (laughs) (laughs) well we'll we'll see if batman the crepe crusader has four different diverging storylines in going on in the 20 half 20 minute to half hour episode if it does then it might have a problem but i don't think so also we'll see if we actually see it 
that, yeah, that's <laughs> sadly that is a question we still have to ask ourselves <laughs> if it's actually going to happen, which yeah. is still depressing to think about. Unfortunately. So, yeah, so on the 30th anniversary date on September 5th, uh, I did put out a tweet on our Batfans account just to see. I made it hard. I asked if you, you have to pick your single all-time favorite episode because, um, as we said, it is hard. We can name off a few episodes as our favorite, but I wanted to make it a little hard to <laughs> see if those could pinpoint their exact favorite episode. So we got a few responses on here where uh, first, uh, Noe Ruiz says, Heart of Ice was really good, but as I said, tough to choose one. <laughs> then um, the Gotham Club Crawl um, said Trial as as one of the better episodes and their favorite and which is a great choice uh trial is such an awesome episode that features all the villains pretty much from the series um which uh, actually little batman animated series trivia was the original plan to be the first batman animated series movie it was kind of the idea and plot was to surround have all the villains evolve around that story of batman on trial but made for everything worked out because it made for a great episode and then we got <laughs> an amazing movie with batman mask of the phantasm so i say it worked it worked out pretty well with trial being its own episode and not an actual movie and then uh, conway cal l said if he's allowed to choose a two-part episode which i will allow it <laughs> he's gonna say robin's reckoning which of course i'm gonna agree with <laughs> and then as far as single episode um it's if you're so smart why aren't you rich so conway Kalel agrees <laughs> with both of us dane as far as what hey, our absolute favorite episodes are conway is uh is my best friend now <laughs> for, for for saying uh if you're so smart why aren't you rich yes and again you can't go wrong with so many of these episodes that being your favorite of course there's yeah. some that aren't up to par <laughs> some of the best of the best but still there's Def, that's definitely the small margin when you compare it to all the amazing episodes that are in the series run. So, yeah, I guess with that, that's going to do it for this one. Glad, I mean, again, I think it's just great that we're able to celebrate another huge milestone for Batman the Animated Series. We did the 20th, we did the 30th, and hopefully we're still around doing this for the 40th. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully not, because you know, I, I, we 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 can't be doing this in twenty years. Then. I think we got to make that our goal so we can celebrate the fiftieth. I mean, how amazing is that going to be? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So here's to the next two decades <laughs> of the Bad Fans podcast. Uh, can, can you imagine when when it's the fiftieth anniversary of Batman the Animated Series? Uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine right now, but it was hard to imagine the series being 30th or the series 30th anniversary, and here we are. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's slow down the flow of time for a bit. Let's have time move at as slowest pace as the Rings of Power is right now. The first thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So. I, I you see I, I that's what I, but that is what I don't understand, right? We are doing commentary on a three-hour movie, three-hour-plus movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, this is only one of the movies that is three hours, and I think Return of the King is four hours, right? 
Yeah, the extended cut is definitely poor. So why are you Lord of the Rings fans complaining about you know the 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 the, the story and everything? You know, like introducing all these characters and you know spending time with all these different characters. It's not about the story. It's about the flow and the pace. I mean, it's not about the time length either. It's just how things flow. Certain things flow better than others. And right now, I just feel Rings of Power just a little bit lacking in the, having a good flow and pace to it. Okay, so what about in the Two Towers where you're, See, for some a... reason, you are at the Tree Congress, the Tree Senate. See, and that is, some, that is one of the knock I'll put on the Two Towers. That's where that movie slows down a bit in its pacing. Okay. So, yes, yeah, that is a valid criticism I have. For an otherwise, almost another perfect movie. I mean, Fellowship of the Ring, I consider perfect. Two Towers is pretty close, but it is some of the stuff with the Ents that entry beer that I feel slow it down a bit. Okay, so it's official. You heard it here. Tim does not like the Two Towers. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, that's what it means now. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm a Two Towers hater now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ents. Yeah, you ruined it. <laughs> Tree Congress. I believe the uh, the exact term is an ant moot. An ant moot. Yeah. Wow, I actually like that better. <laughs> Instead of tree congress. Yeah. Ant <laughs> moot. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay, so Tim, we're going to have to have an ant moot. <laughs> is what I'm going to be calling a serious discussion about the podcast. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to sit here for 11 hours and talk about <laughs> nothing. <laughs> uh, what was it? Like, they just, not all that time, they just agree to consider to their request. The yeah. <laughs> or something? Yeah. They agreed to meet or something? Yeah. They agreed to listen to their request. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Some of my favorite scenes uh, from Two Towers is the ends. <laughs> Forget the big battle at. Uh, don't tell me, Tim. Don't tell me. Don't you ever tell me. <laughs> the one time you don't called, want me to answer a question for you. Because <laughs> it is called the Battle of. The Battle of. Come on, Dean. The Bastards. <laughs> Ah, you're mixing your franchises there. <laughs> uh, okay, the, the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. I got it, Tim. I got it. That was it, right? That is the main battle of the Two Towers. I thought you were trying to name the battle that the Ents had with uh, Sauron. No, no. Okay. Because no, I'm not sure if that actually has a battle name, but it's just... You know, it takes place in Isengard, so... <laughs> the Battle of Isengard. There you go, Tim. Uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. I got it, Tim. I got it. I got it. I know Lord of the Rings better than you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you, yeah, you have to now, since I'm considered a hater of the Two Towers, and I'm a hater of the Rings of Power now. So, yes, I defer to you as Lord of the Rings expert <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, no. Um... If if you were a hater of Rings of Power, you would have a totally different argument about why you didn't like it. Yeah, which 
you know, it's not <laughs> worth getting into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess with that, I guess that'll do it for this episode. Some fantasy in Batman the Animated Series talk is always a win in my book. So <laughs> as always, Dane, I'll throw it to you for the outro. All right, just go over to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311. Um, also, his his Twitter name is Tim Hates Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not going to let that go, are you? <laughs> not until I say a Ring of Power episode is absolutely perfect. I will be considered yeah. a hater. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Twitter handles at Banana. Uh, my oh, my other Twitter name is Dane is the Lord of the Rings expert, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the show's Twitter handle is at Batman Universe. I mean, um, at Batman's podcast. Um, we review Saturday Tuesday, and if you want to email the show, you can email the show at batmanstuffpants at gmail dot com. So with that, we see you in every single episode. Of the we love each and every one of you. With all of our hearts, despite what Dane says about Tim being a Lord of the Rings hater. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, I'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>